Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We praise you for who you are, for the work of your hand. And Father God, I ask that as we look into your word here today, that you would work by the power of your Holy Spirit to reveal to us uh, your truth and ultimately your love. Lord, that our very identity would be shaped and grounded in you, through you, and by you. Lord, I pray this over every person uh, online today, Father God, that as we discover more of who you are, that you would speak to us, that you would minister to our hearts and our spirits, so that, Father God, we would be transformed into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we may serve you abundantly. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, welcome. I'm just so glad that you're joining us here today as we wrap up our first sermon series of 2021, our first message series, I should say, of 2021. It's called, If I Had a Do-Over, right? New Beginnings, If I Had a Do-Over. And I've loved this series thus far because Pastor Chris and Pastor Alex, they've both been really transparent. Pastor Chris took the first three weeks and then Pastor Alex had the opportunity to uh, present the message last week, and they were just so transparent about things that they would have done, they would like to go back and actually redo, right? Like, what would we have done if we'd had the chance? And because we don't have time machines, we can't go do that, but it's been incredible, and really, it's been great to see their vulnerability and transparency in the midst of that, because I think we all agree that we'd like to go back and redo a few things in life, right? But as Pastor Alex said last week, I've made some mistakes that I'd love from all of us to learn from. In order to grow as people, one of the most important things we must acknowledge is we're not perfect and we all have room to grow. And it's true, right? None of us are perfect. We all have room to grow, whether it be as a new creation, as Pastor Chris mentioned the first week, or when it comes to learning about fasting and practicing fasting, when it comes to accountability, Pastor Chris again covered that in week three. Pastor Alex last week talked about redoing some relationships, and they were all wonderful things, and I'd encourage you to go back and watch those if you haven't done so yet. What I love even more, though, than Pastor Chris and Pastor Alex's transparency is the fact that we serve a God who loves us and allows us to have a new beginning, Right? As we've said through every week thus far, while we don't have do-overs, we can have new beginnings. And I'm so thankful for a God who allows us to have new beginnings, sometimes in the same area of life, kind of over and over again. I don't know if any of you are like me, but sometimes you're like, gosh, I just need to kind of go through this thing one more time, maybe. And God has been so patient in the midst of that. And I'm just so thankful that he's allowed me to have some do-overs and ultimately, have those new beginnings. Now, let me explain what I mean. I've spent most of my life as a doer, right? I kind of enjoy getting things done. I like challenges. I like self-improvement. Um, my wife tells me this isn't normal. Most folks aren't this way, which is really odd to me because I see so many areas where people can improve, right? Me being the most notable, you know, person who could improve in some areas. I just, I enjoy it. I really like that. And this is the, my natural bent. I like to improve. I like to grow. I like to have those challenges. And I've lived most of my Christian life out of this understanding that, that it's about doing. Let me explain a little bit further. I came to faith really early on. My mom uh, led me in the sinner's prayer when I was four years old. And I grew up in a, in a faith tradition that really upheld holiness and obedience, which are good things. 
And what it meant, though, as I grew and matured in my faith, is that God loved me really based upon what I did or what I didn't do. This was my understanding of what it meant to be a Christian. Now, as an achiever, I really took to this model. I really enjoyed it because I really valued what I did and what I didn't do and how I acted and how I lived. Now, don't get me wrong. God does value all of those things, and He does care about how we live and what we do and what we don't do. But it was the understanding that I had was very me-dependent, right? It's what I did or what I didn't do. And some would say it's kind of a binary view, right? It's right or wrong, it's good or it's bad. And a lot of times I felt like I was either succeeding or I was failing. Now, as I started into my 30s, I began to realize how little control I had over a lot of things in my life. Personal things, things outside like job and all that sort of stuff. I just began to realize how big life was and how little control I actually had. And so this is a lesson that I've kind of seen reiterated. Again, I've had several new beginnings throughout my 30s, but I just began to see how little control I actually had. And a lot of this came to a head a couple of years ago when for me, life seemed to kind of spin a bit out of control. I I just couldn't seem to get out of my own way, if I'm honest. Like some things were going well in one area of my life, but in another area, things would sort of fall to pieces. I seemed to be really frenetic. Uh, I just, my life was not ruled by anything, one thing. It just seemed like I had a lot of chaos, right? I kind of go after this goal, but then I'd miss out on this goal. And I was healthy in some areas of my life, but really unhealthy in other areas of my life. It seemed like I take a step forward and a couple steps back. I was rushing from place to place. I felt kind of like I was a ship being tossed about on the waves of life. And I was worried about things. And ultimately, guys, what I lacked was peace and assurance. I just felt as if everything that I was doing, while good, wasn't driving me to where I ultimately wanted to be. And so God continued to put a lesson before me over and over again, and I want to share it today. And I really believe this lesson is captured in our, in our Bible passage for today. It's John chapter 15. So online, you'll see a little notes section. You can click on that, and it'll give you my notes for today. It'll also have the Bible, the scripture readings that we're going to go through. The, the, the verses will also be up on the screen here in a moment as well. But let's turn to John chapter 15 and look at verses 1 through 8. It says this, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by my message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I am them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are, a, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Now, as a doer... Verses 1 to 3 and also verse 8, they all make tremendous sense to me. Basically, what it says is Jesus is the vine, right? We're the branches. We produce fruit. 
right? The father is a gardener and he prunes us. And that's basically the way that it goes. As a matter of fact, if you'd have asked me at, my, at many points in my Christian life, like, what's the goal of being a Christian? I would have responded, my job, my goal is to produce good fruit. That's what I thought. And I'll be honest, as a, as a self-improver, even the pruning made sense to me. Kind of the no pain, no gain thing. You know, no pain, no gain. And doesn't Scripture say that we ought to bear our cross? Well, if that's the case, then that sounds like pruning to me, so, so I'm in. And honestly, guys, that's when I would stop reading this passage. I, I would kind of maybe even just skim through the words, but I wouldn't internalize it because for me, I would get so jazzed, so excited about the doing that I would forget the command, right? The command here is not to produce fruit, believe it or not. The command is to remain. Some translations say to abide. And here's what that means. To abide means to bear patiently, to endure without yielding, to wait for, to accept without objection. I like abide. It's kind of poetic. And I love that definition. But honestly, I missed it. Not for like a day or a week or a month. Not even for a year. I missed that for decades of my life. I thought it was about doing, but it's not. It's about remaining. I missed what is actually our take-home point for today, and I hope that this is the one point that you'll take with, with you and kind of live out this week. The whole message is crafted around this one thing, and it simply is this. When we remain in Jesus, we bear much fruit. When we remain in Jesus, we bear much fruit. Jesus is clear. We're to remain. We're to abide. Because when we do, that's when we bear fruit. If we do not remain, we will not bear fruit. That's in verse 4. In fact, we can't do anything according to verse 5. And as per verse 6, we'll wither and we're destined for the fire. Now, I want to pause here for a moment and talk a little bit about the difference between being tired and being withered. Because as human beings, we... We're tired sometimes, right? We have physical bodies, and sometimes we're fatigued. And even emotionally, we can get fatigued. I'm sure we've all been there, right? You know when you're tired. Withered is not tired. There were times in 2020 where, honestly, I was really tired. But thanks be to God, he had impressed this lesson on me enough that as I, I knew enough to draw near to him so that I did not wither. Some of you may have said, I've been withered in 2020, and I would understand that. How does withering occur? Withering occurs when, by our own choices, we withdraw from the vine, right? We pull away from the vine. And because of that, the, the nourishment, the sap, whatever imagery you want to use or language you want to use isn't possible from Jesus because we remove ourselves. Jesus doesn't move, we do. And because of that, we literally dry up. And as a result of that in our lives, guys, it's, it's not good. It's not good. We may be frenetic, we may be busy, we may be in some sort of chaos, we may be successful, but what we ultimately lack is the peace and the hope and the joy and the grounding that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. Ultimately, guys, when we do not remain in the vine, we're dry, we're withered, and if we're honest, at some points, we're almost ready for a fire because we've just had enough. Even though we may be successful over here, it's not working quite like we thought it would. It's despair, and despair is from the pit of hell. 
It's no wonder then that in that state when we're withered, we can't produce fruit. Again, verse 5 says this, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, as a good pastor, I, I looked into the word nothing. And the Greek word for nothing used in this passage is udice. Udice. So I did a word study on udice uh, because I wanted to see, you know, what does udice mean in the original language? You know what it means? Nothing. Nothing literally means nothing. That's all that it is. Nothing. So when Jesus says nothing, he means nothing. Now, this, of course, raises a few questions, right? If you're like me, you're probably thinking, does he honestly mean that apart from Jesus, nothing can get done? Well, I'll say this. We'll certainly be busy. And isn't that the way in America, right? Aren't we all busy? Aren't we all a little frenetic? Aren't our lives always full of chaos? Yeah, we're certainly busy. But what Jesus says is that we will achieve in his kingdom very little, if anything at all. Nothing actually is his term. Remember a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Chris talked about the wood and the straw and the hay, and then also building with gold and silver and precious stones, right? How we build our lives, and at the end, it's going to be tested with fire. Let's just say I'm thankful that I'm not the guy who's going to do that testing. I'm glad that that's above my pay grade, because I know that unless we remain, we're probably building a fair bit with wood and hay and straw. That's the scriptural precedent that we have before us. Also, guys, I note this. I'm thankful for a God who in the midst of all of this in my life, and even in spite of me, by his grace and mercy, I know that he's used me sometimes in spite of myself. And I'm very thankful for that. But honestly, if I could have a new beginning, because I can't have a do-over, I wish I would have had the order correct for many, many years. The alternative clearly is to remain, right? We get to remain in the vine with Jesus. And Jesus promises is that we, when we remain in him, he remains in us. And that's not something we ought to skip over lightly. He also remains in us. Think of it like this. It's like a tree coming out of winter as the sap begins to flow and we begin to green and get ready to bloom for spring. That's what it's like. The power of the Holy Spirit flows in and through us. He breathes new life into us, and we gain guidance, direction, wisdom, and insight directly from Him. All we have to do is remain and abide. It reminds me of a story out of Luke chapter 10. It's about two sisters, Mary and Martha. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42 says this, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed her, him into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. Mary discovered the most important thing. Martha was, was more worried about dinner than she was about Jesus. She was more concerned about doing, getting dinner ready for the Lord, than she was willing and able to sit and be in the presence of God himself. 
Let's just say I take great comfort in the fact to know that I'm not the first person to put doing for Jesus before being with him. The final product of our remaining, according to our passage, is threefold. First, Jesus says what we ask for will be granted. He also says that we will bear and produce much fruit. And finally, great glory will be brought to the Father. So let's look at each of those a bit further. Now, whenever I see ask for anything in my name in Scripture, I get really nervous. And here's why. I've asked the Lord for some pretty crazy things. And I also know that anything can't mean anything because, as I've said here in the past, uh, God would then have answered my prayer for a Ferrari and some jet skis. Now, one of you actually did buy me a model Ferrari that my kids love. I'm still waiting on those jet skis, though, just throwing it out there. So anything can't mean anything, right? Otherwise, God would have answered my ridiculous prayers sometimes, and sometimes I'm thankful that he didn't. But remember, again, we have to remain. The remaining is the first part. We can't put the cart before the horse. We must remain. And so if we remain, then we begin to ask out of that. And I will tell you this, as we remain, our prayers look very different. They're they're less about us and more about others. Or as we abide, as we remain, God begins to shape and transform. He begins to prune, as verse 2 says. He shapes and transforms us into who he would have us be. And he speaks to our very identity. It's out of this asking, right, which for me, quite honestly, has been a tremendous amount of shaping and forming, that fruit is then produced. Now, I know that for many of us, fruit is the goal. As I confessed earlier, I thought fruit was my primary job, but it's not. Remaining produces the fruit, and Jesus produces that in and through me. But I still want to see fruit, right? Don't hear what I'm not saying. We still have to do some stuff right? As Pastor Mark Geppert says in his book, Attack Lambs, the only metric, the only goal that ultimately matters are souls saved. Full stop. That's it. So we do have to do some things for the Lord, but it's different. Watchman Nee in his wonderful book, The Normal Christian Life, shares a story about an elderly gentleman that I think really encapsulates what we're talking about. I want to share it with you this morning. Watchman Neat says this, Some time ago, I called to see Mr. George Cutting. When I was ushered into the presence of this old saint of 93 years, he took my hand in his, and in a quiet, deliberate way, he said, Brother, do you know I cannot do without him? And do you know he cannot do without me? I cannot do without him, and he cannot do without me. Now, Some of us, perhaps, in our youthful arrogance would go, well, Mr. Cutting's wrong. Although I do think a saint who's 93 years old probably knows a bit more than we do. But we would say, God can clearly do whatever he wants without us. And here's the deal. Yeah, God can. But the whole of Scripture declares that for some reason, even though God could, he doesn't. He doesn't. The Bible is clear. God chooses to use us. And there have been many times where I wonder why. Why, O Lord, have you chosen to use people to do this? But that's what he does. He chooses us. There is no plan B. We're it. We cannot do without him. And for some reason, he chooses to do through us. 
All we need do is remain and abide in the vine. The final benefit benefit of, of all of this is that we bring glory to the Father, to God Himself. Now, when I think about bringing glory to the Father, I obviously think about worship, right? Because in worship, we ascribe to God the glory He so justly deserves, right? It's as if we put God in His appropriate place, which is where we glorify Him for everything that He does in and through us and for us and in all those things. But here's the incredible thing about worship. As we pour forth worship like this, it's worship with our very lives, right? And something happens as we worship the Lord. He is glorified, and then for some reason, He extends to us His pleasure and His joy. We get to experience God's pleasure and His joy. Late in, late in 2020, I shared with you that the single greatest lesson I learned in 2020 is that I'm a child of God, and I am who He says that I am. I'm His child, and I am who He says that I am. What I was trying to articulate in that moment is how I was experiencing God's pleasure and joy in my life, and what that has meant for me. I wish I could fully articulate it into words, but I can't. I I just can't. But what I can tell you is that it's changed me profoundly, and I view everything in my life now on a good day through the lens that I am a child of God made in His image and that He loves me more than life itself. That He loves us and because of that we get to remain in Him and because of that fruit is born forth and we get to bring glory and honor and praise to Him and we get to experience His pleasure and His joy. It's an incredible thing. I wish I would have had the opportunity, I would have taken the opportunity to do it decades ago but I'm glad for a new beginning. Now, in my everyday life, am I still busy? Sure, sure, my calendar is still full, although as Pastor Chris reminded us, we are in charge of those things, right? But sure, my calendar is still quite full, but you know what's gone? The frenetic chaos, the directionlessness, the overall desire to feel like I need to do a million different things at one time. Remaining has shaped what I do, but it's also reshaped frankly, who I am. I am a child of God. I'm not so much identified by what I do. Now, as Americans, and I'll be honest, especially as guys, we're really identified by what we do. Get two guys together who don't know each other for like 30 seconds, and inevitably, one of them's going to ask the other the question, what do you do? Right? What do you do? That's why retirement is so hard for men in our culture, because they've been defined for 30, 40 years by what they do. We're not to be defined by what we do. We're defined by who we are. And we are only able to begin to realize that as we remain in God himself, as he speaks to us about who we are as his children. And out of that, the fruit is born. It's not about what we do, although that is important. It's ultimately about who we are in him and the direction that he gives about where he points us. Are there still times in my life where I'm tired? Absolutely. But you know what's gone? The guilt that I used to feel whenever I got tired. Anybody there? Like you're guilty because you're tired? We're human beings. We're physical. We're, We're flesh and blood. Sometimes we'll get tired. But we have a God who loves us, even in the midst of those things. And when I'm weak, that's when he gets to be strong. Or I get to depend on a brother or sister in Christ and ask them to help lead and guide me through this. It's been a tremendous journey and a wonderful blessing. If I remain, if we remain 
we won't wither, and we will not fade away. Now, you may be saying, hey, this sounds great, but, but how do we do this? How do we do this, right? Before we get to that, I, I just want you to pause for a moment and think about what it's going to look like when 50 or 100 or 500 of us here at New Life take the plunge, when we fully abide. Now, for many of us, I know we're coming to the end of this 21-day pursuit, uh, fasting and prayer time, right? And here's the deal, guys. This isn't just a rest stop on the road. Pursuit is a destination, but it's also part of the journey. Because what we've learned in and through pursuit are things that we need to continue on in our every day, right? Because in pursuit, we've sought after the Lord. We've remained in Him. And I know so many of us have tuned in, well over 50 of us, in the mornings for a time of prayer. Many others have been doing it on their own. And here's the deal. I know that as you've done that, you've begun to taste what I'm talking about. I know it to be true because Scripture declares it to be so. As we've sown into this time, right? As we have sown into this time of prayer and fasting, I know that the Lord has begun to minister to each and every one of us. He's begun to speak his truth into our lives. He's begun to shape and transform us into who it is he would have us to be. And I know that you've had a taste of that. And so I know that that is a yearning that's within you and we have to continue it because when we do, when we do, what we get as a result of that is his fruit born in our lives. So when our culture tells us to respond this way or respond that way, we don't. Instead, we respond with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and, yes, even self-control. Those are the things with which we respond, and that is what is born in our lives as his fruit is produced. And many will come to know him, and his kingdom will grow in advance from here to the end of the earth. I can't wait to see what it will look like in the days and weeks to come. As for how, we only have to remain. Now, as we say here at New Life, that's simple, but it's not easy. Simple, but it's not easy. I'm old enough to realize that how I remain is going to look different than how you remain, right? It's like how you manage your money. There's a million different ways you can do it. You can have a budget. You can have a spending plan. You can have an envelopes account. You can have different banks accounts. It doesn't matter. Pick one. They all work. But remaining is very similar. It's kind of what works for you. However, Dave Patterson in the 21-day pursuit devotional, the, the guy who authored it, has this great term. He calls it a secret place. A secret place. We need to have a secret place where we seek the Lord. And he says this. He explains, the secret place is simply that undistracted, designated place of prayer and worship that you intentionally reserve for just you and the Lord. This is crucial. You want to remain? get a place. You got to get a place. I don't have time for a place. Yes, you do. You got to have one. I don't know. Find a place. Sit in your car. Turn on the heat. I don't know. This is crucial because it's in this secret place where we get to connect with God. For me, the secret place is a comfortable chair in the morning before everyone in my house gets up other than perhaps my wife. And it's time of reading and prayer and scripture as I worship the Lord in that way. And then I transition based upon the weather, either I'm going to the treadmill or I'm going outside for a walk or a jog to get a little exercise and continue in that prayer time. Now, here's the kicker. Dave Patterson says that in order for this to be effective, it has to be a significant amount of time. Significant amount of time. And then the question is, well, how long is significant? For me, it's an hour a day, minimum. An hour a day. Why? Because I have to not do some things in order to accommodate an hour a day. That's right. The doer has to not do. I have to shut it down. 
I have to put that time aside and I say, Lord, I must remain. I must abide in you. And out of that comes the change and transformation that I wish I would have learned 20 years ago, but I'm so glad that I get to learn today. If this is your desire, it's my hope and prayer, and I believe many of you will, join with me in what is our next step for this week, which is this. I will remain with Jesus for 30 minutes each day this week. I'll remain with Jesus for 30 minutes each day this week. Now you're saying, Pastor Barry, you said 60. It's true, I did, but I didn't start at 60. I started at 30. And I would never ask you to start at a place other than where I started. So start at 30. And my hope and prayer is, and I believe, that 30 will become 40, 40 will become 50, and so on. And as we remain, that God will shape and transform our lives, that by the power of His Holy Spirit, He will flow life into us, He will shape and transform us into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ, and we will indeed be changed for His honor and His glory. For our God, oh, we cannot do without Him, and He cannot do without us. Amen? Amen. Now, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, this whole abiding thing may not make sense because a relationship is the first step. That's one of our first steps in coming to know Jesus is to say, Lord, I I need you in my life. And if that's you, why not today? Why not today? Here at New Life, we say it's as simple as A, B, C. Admit, believe, confess. We admit that we're sinners, that we're in need of a Savior. We believe, we believe that Jesus is our Savior and Lord, that He is who He says He is, the Son of God. And we confess, not just that we're sinners, but that we desperately need Him in our lives as our Lord and Savior. We cannot do this on our own. In a moment here, I'm going to pray. And I would invite you that if you've yet to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, that you would join me in prayer and enter into this relationship as well. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and for the Holy Spirit who who lives within us. Father God, I pray for each and every person here this morning, uh, today, who may not know you as Savior and Lord. And Lord, I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would prompt their spirit, and they would simply say, Lord, I need you in my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Come in, fill me, renew me, and restore me. May today be the first step of a wonderful relationship with you. Father, for those of us who do know you, Lord, I ask that we would this week abide in you more than anything else that we would abide. And then out of that, Father, you would change and transform us. You would even shift our very identity into who you would have us to be. God, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.